Welcome to the Hoops and Huddle podcast. I am Malika, and this week I am joined by Alex Squadron. Did I say that right? You did. Perfect. Um, he is the writer of a new book that is coming out. I have October 1st. That you have? <laughs> it's interesting. It, it is the technical publication date is October 1st, but if you order it now on Amazon, you'll get it before that. So. Uh, oh, okay. You're, you're right, though. That is the, the official date. I ordered, I ordered it on Amazon for me. Yeah, I ordered it on Amazon for me today just to get a physical copy. Um, so I guess I'll get that soon. <laughs> um, but uh, his new book is called Life in a G. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Minor League Basketball and the Relentless Pursuit of the NBA. It's a grind. You do it for the, you know, like, the dream of of joining, you know, becoming an NBA player, but man, is it a grind. So I want to thank Alex for being here and um, introduce yourself to the people. I know you also write for Slam, so mm-hmm. introduce yourself to the people, your background a little bit. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, thank you so much for having me and also thank you for reading the book and for your kind words about it. Um, you're one of the first people who reached out to me about it and just like to hear any feedback at all outside of you know, my family and friends, it was amazing. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm Alex Squadron. Uh, I've been a sports fan all my life, mainly basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was lucky enough to work for Slam, which is obviously like, you know, the basketball Bible. So I was a writer there for um, about three years full time. I was there for a little longer part time as well from school. Uh, and then um, really, you know, my main passion was always for writing. Uh, so I started to to kind of pursue independent projects and, and you know, this book, uh, which, you know, I guess it was two years ago now that I first had the idea um, to just follow a G League team and write about kind of that, like you said, that pursuit of the NBA dream. Uh, and here we are two years later and the book is finally coming out. So uh, it's been super exciting and yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Before we dive into the book, you recently, there was a recently an article published in Slam um, really highlighting the Jordan brands, you know, next generation of leaders like Luca and Zion, Jason Tatum. Uh, why don't you talk about that article a little bit and what it was like uh, and interviewing them and um, bringing that piece together? For sure. Yeah. So I still do a bunch of freelance writing for Slam. This was an awesome opportunity. Um, we shot Zion, Luca, and Jason Tatum uh, for the cover of Slam Kicks, and that shoot was actually out in Paris. Yeah. So that was uh, yes. <laughs> it, it, an unbelievable experience. Um, and we were there with Jordan Brand because each of them was like unveiling uh, the latest in their signature lines with Jordan. Um, yeah, I mean, they're. What was interesting to me is like how much storytelling, how much goes into just the process of mm-hmm. designing these shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know I obviously knew a little bit about, but just how intricate it is and how meticulous it is uh, was honestly it's it's incredible to to kind of hear about um, you know each shoe kind of incorporating obviously their games and um, you know they have guys who mm-hmm. basically study film on the Jordan team of each player like a coach would to discern like the precise movements of each player so that they can design the shoe exactly to that player's game. Um, and then, you know, the other piece is like the storytelling behind each shoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So just like to take Zion for an example, 
uh, what was important to him is to kind of communicate this out the mud mentality that he has and this kind of lesser told part of his story where you know everybody sees Zion and obviously he's been in like every highlight mix and you know he's this phenom uh, mm -hmm. and the side that people don't see is kind of the grind and, and what led to uh, the player that he is today and the obstacles that he had to overcome to get to where he's at um, so he wanted the shoe to really communicate that um, and so the design team runs with this idea of like a mud splatter design on the shoe that communicates like out the mud uh, and the mud actually is this material that strengthens strengthens the shoe uh, and provides more support which is kind of you know parallels this idea that um, like that out the mud mentality and the obstacles that Zion overcame is what makes him strong um, and kind of the player that he is today. So that's just one example of um, how much goes into these sneakers uh, and being able to to hear it from not only the players, but also the design team, you know, everybody at Jordan brand uh, was just an awesome experience. I think it was really dope that you, you know, wrote that piece because one thing about you see what goes into creating a signature shoe. You see like the stories that are told and just the pride the players have with having a signature shoe. Mm -hmm. And that's why it was surprising to hear Rich Paul talk about, you could, you know, he wouldn't, something about he wouldn't recommend or, you know, getting a signature shoe in today's market is about ego. I don't see it that way. I see it as, you know, if you can't build a whole brand of business around it or whatever, you know, like the Jordan brand, I assume he was saying, or, mm -hmm. but to me, your piece spotlights why players still want signature shoes because it's, it's telling their story. It's, you know, these shoes are designed specifically for them and their movements. And it's, a part of their brand it's a part of who they are and this is achievement for a lot you know a lot of players enter the league with their own shoe like it's not i don't see it as an ego thing it's a goal it's and it's a cheat it's an achievement so i thought his comments on that was a bit off you know what i mean like it was surprising to me but yeah um, no yeah. i agree with you look i grew up like wanting my own signature sneaker mm -hmm. too mm -hmm. um obviously fell drastically short of that but um yeah for these guys this is something i mean jason tatum spoke with me about you know obviously he looked up to kobe as a kid mm -hmm. and getting kobe shoes and and emulating kobe and wanting to be like kobe and mm -hmm. now like you said this is an opportunity for him to um one you know it's another canvas like you said for him to share his story mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and then also to inspire the next jason tatum and to kind of um you know convey what helped him get to where he's at so that somebody else can mm -hmm. can follow in his footsteps so um yeah I, I totally agree with you now let's get into the book i was introduced to the book because uh I, I'm, I'm a part of you know like uh the, the net galley site and they you know mm -hmm. they had your book on there i was like mm -hmm. okay um <laughs> so when i read it it was i couldn't put it down like some people I had to reread a little bit because I just want to make sure I got the context of it all. Mm -hmm. Like Joe Young, his story, I was like, my goodness. Like, and I don't want to give away, you know, like in the book and what happens with people. Like I already looked that stuff up. I, You know, people haven't read it yet. So to go into spoiler field, we're not going to do that. I wouldn't do that, do that to you. So we're going <laughs> to talk around. Um, let's start with talking about 
Okay, you were able to follow the Birmingham squadron for a whole season. And this was an idea you had. You know, how did you get that idea and go about pursuing getting this opportunity? Yeah. Um, so I guess to start, like the idea came from just me covering basketball for, you know, a handful of years, um, being such a huge basketball fan and kind of always being surprised at how little attention was paid to the G League, um, especially since it was growing every year. Uh, obviously, they have the Ignite now. Um, I just think increasingly there's a bigger spotlight on the G League and there's more and more players uh, coming from the G League and having an impact in the NBA. I think the stat like for last season was like 47% of players on opening night rosters had G League experience. And by the end of the season, it was like 55 or, or you know, it had gone up. Um, so the G League's importance to the NBA was just growing and growing. Um, and I had just kind of looked at the market and been like, there really is nothing about the G League out there. Um, you know, obviously, let alone a book, there was very little just like coverage of it at all. Uh, so that was kind of the inspiration. And then um, I decided to basically, in order to get the experience, I needed to follow a team and be like fully embedded to really write about it. Like I thought I had to kind of experience the G League as opposed to just like, you know, interview people and write about it from afar. Um, so then I was like, I need to follow a team. Which team do I follow? And Birmingham was a new team. And uh, as people have been pointing out, purely by coincidence, my last name is the same as mm -hmm, the team name. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So there was a part of me, I must admit, that like felt like it was destiny for me to follow that mm -hmm, team. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, you know, obviously I had my experience at Slam and knew a bunch of people uh, in the basketball world and basically just sent a cold email uh, like saying, this is the idea. I'd love to just come down there. I, I'll pack up my bags and move tomorrow if you guys will let me just kind of be a fly on the wall and follow you guys for the season. Uh, and I have to shout out uh, both the Pelicans, who is the affiliate of that team, uh, and everybody within the squadron organization because they welcomed me with open arms. They basically were just like, you know, do what you got to do, follow us, travel with us. I went to games, practices, film sessions, team dinners, um, basically everything they would let me go to, I was there. Uh, and so that allowed me to really, you know, get the access and, and get the experiences that I needed to put together the book. So, And also uh, get the players and get everyone involved comfortable speaking with you and opening up to you because you got some really good detail in the book. Um, and... Describe what it means to endure the grind. Like, what, when when someone hears that in relation to the G League, what should they picture? Yeah, it's a really good question because, you know, obviously there's the, I think what people think about is the physical aspect of the grind. I mean, these guys, um, this isn't the NBA. So the facilities are, you know, they don't even compare to what guys have at the NBA. The resources don't compare. Uh, NBA teams, you know, players will admit they really don't practice that much. And G League teams practice a lot. They watch a lot of film. Uh, these guys are obviously trying to get to the next level. So they're working out a ton outside of just like their, you know, uh, like day-to-day -day requirements with the team. So there's a huge like physical grind, just the amount of work that they put in. Um, you know, and obviously the, the schedule too, it's a little compressed. So there's 
50 games uh, in a shorter span, a lot of like back-to-backs, four games in six nights. Um, so these guys endure a lot there. But I think like the main thing that stood out to me is the like mental, psychological, emotional grind. Um, because, you know, th- this is uh, this is the minor leagues. These guys are making less than 40,000 a season. Um, they're right there. They're on the precipice of uh, millions. Uh, two-way contract even is half a million. Um, a 10-day contract is usually double a G League salary. So they're right there. Um, and, you know, they're told they're close and they keep fighting, keep fighting. And there's all these obstacles that keep coming your way. And you have to just keep going and keep chipping away. Uh, because if you, you know, sulk, if you take days off, if you, you know, let those emotions kind of get the better of you, uh, it'll it'll hurt you. It'll, it'll decrease your chances of making it. So um, you really just have to kind of stay head down and uh, keep grinding um, through all of the kind of adversity that comes your way. Um, yeah, it's just... And the pressure, of course, is like, you know, every game is like a job interview. These guys are, there are scouts there. Um, you know, you, you make one mistake and it, it sounds, you know, like an exaggeration, but, you know, these scouts don't get to watch your whole season. So a scout could be there and you could not hustle back on defense and the scout can just cross you off the list because I saw him play for, you know, a couple minutes and he wasn't hustling the way that I like. And that could be it. It really could. So um, you really can't afford to slack off. And to deal with that pressure on a just everyday basis is uh, is pretty crazy. And it was uh, it was interesting to witness it up close for sure. Oh, sorry, Malik, I think the. Oh, sorry. Hold on. The sound might be cut off here. No, that was me. Um, you got the perfect person when it comes to endure the grind, kind of Andre Ben Andre Ingram to do your forward. How did that come about? And it has to be an experience for him with him starting from the D League and then going into the G. It it's grown since he was playing, and like it's almost a completely different experience. So what? How did you get him to write the forward? And he's been in the he's been in the G for, like he could have been played overseas. You know, he could have went overseas and made so much more. So I was curious what it was like to get him to um, write write your. He was the he's the perfect person to write the forward because he's still on the roster with the South Bay Lakers. So I I wanted you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, totally. He is to me. And I think to the most ultimate people, and endure the grind. <laughs> the ultimate endure the grind, the ultimate G leaguer. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously uh, for people who don't know, he had this kind of storybook call up. Um, he had been in the G league or the, you know, it was the D league. So in the minors for uh, over a decade and gets called mm-hmm. up uh, for the last few games um, to the Lakers. He was playing for South Bay, which is the Lakers mm-hmm. affiliate. And in his first game, you know, he's got gray hair now. He's, you know, like high thirties and he's um, just been grinding for so long to get there. And he scores 19 points. Um, You know, the Staples Center crowd is going crazy. It's on the brightest of stages. Uh, So yeah, like that, when I saw that, like, and just rewatching before I did this, I'm like, this is just, this is why the G League is important. 
Um, mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. I want to follow it is to follow stories like this. Uh, so I knew like pretty much right away that like, if I could get like, that's who I want to write the forward that like, if I can get him, that would be amazing. Uh, and he was playing for South Bay still, um, during the season I was following the squadron. So when they came to visit, uh, I just requested to speak with him and we talked for, you know, 10, 15 minutes after the game, I told him the idea and, and we exchanged numbers. And I just said, like, I'd love to, to have you be more involved in any capacity. Uh, and Andre, if anybody has had the pleasure of knowing him, he is like the nicest guy in the world um, and could not have been more helpful. And I'm super grateful that he uh, is a part of this because I, I really do think that like no G League book would be complete without Andre being a part of it. So, um, yeah, yeah awesome. I agree. I agree. I loved him. I loved his piece from the forward talking about the D and then transition now to the G League. And he's the head of the union, right? Or he's working yeah. with the union. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's very important. One of the key things, though, with the G is you have a mixture of players with different stories, right? You have players who are, you have a player who was in, on an NBA roster. You know, he was in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And then he's playing overseas and now he's on a G League team trying to get back to the NBA. You have players who just want that chance. You know, they they put in, they have their routines, they putting in their their grinding season in season out, um, not going overseas because they don't want to miss their opportunity. Um, they want to get that magic call up to where they can turn their life around, turn their fortunes around. You you have players who fresh out of college or you know they were playing Division One or two. And they're trying to make an impression. Um, we'll get to the two-way players in a minute because that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but when you look at that mixture of players, and when I was reading this book, these players were still able to find some synergy. Like watching that with their different... Because the player that played overseas in the NBA, of course, he had more financial resources than some of the others. Um, There were, you know, players were aware of that, but they didn't come in between. You didn't see any, it doesn't seem like there was petty jealousies or anything like that. So, because he's he's here. So obviously, get back. So (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about that dynamic of the different stories. No, definitely. It's like, I want to say in part, I lucked out because I think the team that I followed was just so unified and the mm-hmm. coaching staff was awesome and they were so connected yeah we got to talk about um, that too yeah the coaching yeah staff. i mean i i was to be honest like i was like i was expecting some fireworks and i was like this would maybe be good for the book if i saw something like just something go down like that's kind of what i thought would happen because like one of the other pieces you're right everybody has a different story everybody mm-hmm. comes from a different background and also you have the like the added kind of layer of like assignment players coming down which can mm-hmm. cause a lot of tension because you know, you have these guys who've been grinding in the G League all year. They're like, every opportunity matters. These like, you know, hotshot rookies come down and all of a sudden they're on the bench and they're taking, or, mm-hmm. you know, they're starting and the G League guys have to move to the bench and it creates like an even more kind of awkward, mm-hmm. strange mm-hmm. dynamic. So uh, I've heard stories about, for sure, there's been teams that are not unified at all. Um, that, you know, it's all about me, me, me. Everybody is kind of yeah. trying to, to, you know, showcase themselves, which is an understandable approach 
But I think what every G League coach and every kind of NBA scout and executive would tell you is that they're looking for the guys who play team basketball, who, you know, aren't one-on-one ball dominant players who are like basically trying to put on a show themselves. They're looking for guys who play within a system, who get along with their teammates, who don't uh, create any locker room problems um, and who play, you know, very specific roles as opposed to being the guy. Um, so once like the players accept that, and, and I think everybody uh, on the team that I followed did kind of buy into that, it becomes a little easier to uh, stay unified. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, um, I think it's not always that way, uh, but it, it definitely you was. You had a good lot with this one. I had, a great, I had a great yeah. group. And, um, yeah, you had a good group. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things in this book was I didn't see one of the things that made me really curious. I'm a Nets fan, so my team is the Long Island Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also watched the Hornets, so I follow sometimes the um the Greensboro Swarm. And it's interesting looking at the coaching philosophy of and what he was teaching. Um, his players, Coach Pannon, I think, how you say his mm-hmm. name? Pannon, yep. Um, and his, um, what he was teaching, and when I look at other G League teams, some of them don't preface winning. It's really development. And if they lose, they lose. That's what it seems like. While with them, it's like, you know, like teaching them that scoring is not the, is not really what these teams are looking for in terms of role players. They're looking for players that do all the other things and so going out there scoring 30 or 35 is not going to get you that call out what else are you doing on the right. court um and i really because coaches are also trying to be seen by teams right like it's not just the players who are fighting for a shot it's also the coaches so what were your impressions of the coach and um do you feel like he would be a great addition to an nba roster as an assistant coach because you see more of that now like the coach of the um long island nets was is now an assistant coach with the nets so i was just curious about how you yeah um yeah i guess to to the first part you were like talking about um just about him preaching that message of kind of winning above everything else. Um, Yeah. I mean that it's just, if you look at the guys who have come from the G league, it just makes sense. You know, it's, it's not the guys who um, are the like one-on-one ISO dominant scores. It's the guys who play really hard defense, who are good three and D players. Um, You know, Caruso, uh, Gabe Vincent was, a big G league guy. And, um, you know, he's just a guy who runs the offense and I know he showed a little bit more in the playoffs, but, um, you know, he's someone who just, uh, Pannon would always say, just do your job, do your very specific job. Um, so yeah, I think that that message was one well-received. And I think if you just kind of look at the history, like it's, it's obviously true. Um, that that's kind of the guys that get mm-hmm. called up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Pannon, I, I don't want to kind of give away his journey at all, but I'll just say that, um, from following him, from knowing him and, and, you know, talking to him throughout the season, uh, he's just like a brilliant basketball mind. Um, it seems like it. I was and, like, I would love to, uh, you know, like see him and, you know, like, uh, I did look him up. So 
but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I would love to, you know, like see him further, pro you know, prosper further and in, in coaching. In no, definitely. He, he's not only like the amount of work that he puts into it. And I hope that the book captures this because mm -hmm. it's not just a, a grind for passionate. the player. Like he's passionate about he, the game. hundred percent. He lives and breathes the game. And, and that's what I got from these players too. Like everyone involved lives and breathes. Yeah, they want their shot, but they love the game. Like this particular team. And no, definitely. Um, yeah. So because I think I think you have Malik to like I think you just you have to be in the G League. You mm -hmm, have to mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you wouldn't sign up for it. Like the truth is, these guys can make more money overseas. They, yes. they you know, they can not go through the grind that they do, but they love the game. I mean, you have to love the game to sign up for the G League and. They are very, very passionate um, about achieving their goal, which is to go to the NBA. Um, and so that that is something that comes across when you talk to any G Leaguer, when you follow a team, when you're embedded. Like it, this isn't, you know, this isn't a, uh, just like show up to work and whatever happens, happens. These guys are, are really going for it and they really care uh, and they really love the game. So that was uh, refreshing to be around. Can we talk about the two-way players who um, and their impact on playing time? Because when they called, when they sent down, they need playing time because the um, top club, the NBA club, wants them to work on some particular things to that will help the, that will help the big club. That help them develop to help the, the big club because they're mm -hmm. areas that they're not. You know, they need to spice up on. But when they do that, it disrupts the rhythm of the starters like they know they have to you know like they know they're going to not get as much playing time that night and observing that up close what was that vibe like like i always yeah. wonder about that no i mean and uh it was this was two seasons ago that i was following the team and yeah, yeah. The, the guys that were getting sent down were jose alvarado yeah trey murphy Jackson Hayes. So these guys who two stars, yeah, 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 who they're you know they were blossoming. I mean, Trey Murphy mm -hmm. was you know by the end of the season, and Jose Alvarado playing significant mm -hmm. roles mm -hmm. um, in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I caught those names. I was like, well, it's not like they were sending down, you know, yeah, like right, I and, and, I, and it was like obviously proof that the the process was working because they were coming down and they were mm -hmm. getting the development mm -hmm. that they needed to. Um, you know, impact winning at the next level, but mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, it's, it's just the difficult, I mean, the truth is that players struggle with it. Um, and you just have to G league players. That is, you just have to understand that it's not personal. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not about how you're performing. It's not a punishment. It's just a business. Like this is, you know, at, at the end of the day, this is a, a tool for the NBA parent club uh, to one develop the guys who are G leaguers to hopefully one day uh, get called up and make an impact for them. But more importantly to the NBA team to send guys down to develop uh, who they expect to be major pieces going forward. Um, so I guess I would say that like it never, from what I observed, it never became something that like completely like threw a player off. Um, but to say that it didn't, you know, impact just their their mindsets going into a game or the way they were feeling would be like, you know, it's impossible for it not to because they'll be playing 
they'll be starting and playing 35 minutes and then a guy gets sent down and they're playing 20 minutes coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just harder to show what you can do in that, um, in that time frame. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I kind of was expecting maybe some, some tension to, to bubble up, but it really was, uh, it's the reality of the grind. Yeah. It's just the way it works. It's right? just the way it works. Even for players that played it. And that's why I want to go. I have only had a few more questions. Um, some, you know, like we, you know, you have a clear example of a player that was considered, um, he was drafted, um, he was on the NBA roster, um, he was getting playing time at one point and eventually ended up overseas and then he is now in the G trying to get back. And I'm not going to give away the reasons that he was in this position. Um, what was it like observing his journey and trying to get back, especially in the wake of this is the COVID, you know, like the COVID season when they players were getting called up and in, in, in numbers and, yeah. and, and watching this take place. And this is a guy fighting and just wanting that one opportunity to show how he's grown. What was what was that like? No, totally. Um... I appreciate you not uh, giving away spoilers. I'm going to try to do this without um, giving away too much. Um, so this is, we're talking about Joe Young. It's who, a tight rope. It's a I know, t- I know. <laughs> and uh, like his story is so compelling. Um, like, you know, the, I, without giving away too much, Joe, like you said, was in the NBA. Um, and... I need to say the name. See, see, see. <laughs> <laughs> I think I reveal that. I think I reveal that early. Um, but Joe basically, the um kind of like overarching theme of his story is that he uh, was in the NBA kind of screwed up his shot the first time around went overseas became a star overseas and then realized that he really wanted to get back um and uh again without revealing too much I think what stood out about his story is um you know one just the like the amount of sacrifice that he was willing to mm-hmm. uh just the amount of stuff he was willing to kind of give up to chase the the dream again. I mean, he turned down a $3 million offer in China to accept 40 grand in the G League um, with the hope of, of getting back to the NBA, which is obviously in, an absurd sacrifice. Um, and he he fully bought in. I mean, he was he had this, uh, this workout routine called the Breakfast Club where he'd get up at like five every morning and be in the gym by 5.30. Um, and that's before practice. That's before mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, he would do that on, on game days. I mean, the guy was like in insane worker um, and just so badly wanted to get back. And I think what you learn throughout, um, you know, I won't give away the ending, but what you learn kind of throughout his story is that it's uh, it's as hard as it is to get to the NBA for anybody. It's uh, it's, it's even harder when you're when you're trying mm-hmm. to get back and you've made mistakes. So um you know overcoming um even the smallest of, of mistakes when you've been there uh, and you're on the margins uh is uh is really really hard um and so it was um it was honestly inspiring just to see how hard he worked just to to try to overcome uh, what was such an uphill battle for him mm-hmm. um and yeah mm-hmm. i think I, I think i did an okay job of not 
spoiling too much, but I should probably leave it there. You gave, you gave a little more. I was, I, was, I was skirting around the outskirts without giving out, not saying a name. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I found his story to be so compelling as opposed to like Malcolm Hill, who, um, since you said a name, um, <laughs> That's his okay. story, um, he definitely resonated with me. You know, like um, a player who has his habits, who has a strong belief in not, you know, breaking his routine, who is a ferocious worker, who um, this was his dream. You know, the reason why he came back to the G League year after year, this was his dream. You know, you had the Alice Caruso's and other stories of players making it. He believed he could be that you know, he could be a player too. So when you're right. thinking about, when you're looking at his story versus like a Joe Young and, and some of the others, and you as a writer, you're observing their work ethic, their workouts, their 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 passion and love for the game. And you're writing their stories. As you sit here now, the book is, everybody is will have a chance to buy it soon. Like, by October 1st, the latest, what do you want to say about, what do you walk away with mm -hmm. um, about this story? And, and, and also, I'm going to add to that. When you think about these players on this grind and during the grind, do you want to say or suggest, or what, in your head, are you screaming, you can probably get a deal in another country and you will be appreciated there you know bigger audiences than you have here making more money um the nba is not the end all to be all do you want to say that or do you just um you want to you know i understand the grind but at some point you gotta smell the roses kind of thing like how do you Battle. No, no, definitely. It, it's it's something you think about so much because that is that's really it, like that's the G League kind of the core question. The G League is really like chase the money or the dream, because pretty mm -hmm. much every player, especially the top players, um, they can make significantly more. You know, six figures, some cases seven figures yeah. overseas, mm -hmm. um, and it is really the dream. The NBA just clinging to that that keeps them around. Um, to answer the first part of your question, I think what I walk away from it uh, with is, you know, I think the story is, and I hope this came across when you read it as well, like, I think it's, it's obviously a, a basketball story and a sports story, but it's really about, like, perseverance, um, hope, uh, sacrifice, you know, just like yeah. the pursuit of a dream um, and, and everything that goes into that. Uh, so I hope that people walk away from it. Like I did very much inspired by, uh, these four players that I chose to follow, um, just how much they're willing to put into their craft and how much they're, uh, you know, how passionate they are about pursuing their dreams. Um, you know, I think that they would also encourage like everybody else to, to pursue their dreams like they are, no matter what happens. Um, so I think that that's the main thing I walk away from the experience with. Uh, and then, yeah, I think this is a, it's a really good question because at times, you know, you will be watching a player go through his career and from the outside, you're screaming to yourself, like you're a great player and 
you're losing out on all these on this all these opportunities all this money overseas like and not just you, the money you'll be playing in front of those are professional leagues as well and you'll be playing in front of an audience learning a new culture and great um, leagues totally great leagues great leagues there's some great yeah. leagues out there great great competition like why and and, and I and I I watch the G League often um mm. especially with the Long Island Nets because I'm always curious of what players are in the pipeline who's who's coming up who's coming um and who may get a shot you know what I mean for the Nets um I'm always, I'm always, so I watch them often and it's so interesting um, watching and, and watching that fire from players. And um, yeah. I, I love, I love reading your book because it just, I felt for all the players and the coaches. I was like, I want them all to make it. <laughs> oh man. Imagine, imagine being there. The, oh my God. You're, yeah. I want them all on the roster. I felt, and the reality is they just can't be because there's just right. so many, there's such a, a you know, small everybody's like everybody spots. outside the NBA is fighting for that spot. Right. You know, international and in the G in the G you're closer, but everybody's fighting for that spot. Exactly. And there's and 400... overseas is considered sexy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, so you're fighting against that too. So yeah yeah and, and it's you know i think the main takeaway is because i i did talk to players who were very open about look i missed out on a lot of money like players who spent years and years in the g league and played 20 minutes in the nba one game 10 games like they were in the nba for three months and they spent years in the g league and didn't go overseas and make money overseas and you know a lot of them don't they don't have regrets because they you know to say that they played in the nba was yeah. the most important thing to them and to some That's people that probably lucky. sounds crazy um but you know it's it's every player's choice obviously and um it's hard to kind of tell somebody give up on your dream like how, how do you tell somebody to just um you know essentially abandon hope and and jump ship and go overseas uh without really knowing how important that dream is to them so I think it's really like up to, to each player to decide. Um, and, you know, I think that what the coaches will do and what, you know, people in their circle will do hopefully is tell them realistically what their chances are so that they can weigh these options and, and try to have like a clear mind about it. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, you know, there are certain guys, uh, again, I won't name because their, their stories are in the book and I don't want to spoil it, but there are certain guys who, um, you know, you could have told them, they had, you know, the teeniest of chances and they would have still stayed clinging yeah, to that. That's so, true. Yeah. Um, for some guys, it's just, it's just that important and it's hard to kind of. It's a dream uh, over the dollar. And I, you know, you know, being able to reach your dream and play in the NBA, even if it's just for a game, even if it's right. just for two games, is achieving that is what they're fighting for. Is this so hard reading it and seeing that grind this is just one team like <laughs> right. you know, like they're you know like tw i forgot how many like 27 or something it's, it's up to uh it'll be 31 if you count the ignite this year so yeah the ignite is different though definitely I mean, different <laughs> definitely that, one is, but, that uh, one's gonna be a separate podcast for me because that team is different from the rest of the g so there's 30 teams about 30 teams in the g league so this is just one team story so um I don't want to go into detail about because I think that gets too much away talking about when we had the COVID 
policies and how people, you know, like and the impact that had on G League teams. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I love about your book is it, it brings the story to life. G League is expanding. They're getting sponsorships from, they're getting corporate sponsorships. They now have a union. They, you know, like they just got, you know, G Leaguers even, you know, like, I feel like now each year it's just grown. You know, I know people that have season tickets to the Long Island Nets and they look forward to going to those games. So I love that this book will be out there for people to look at what life is really like for these players. Traveling commercial. Really? Um, and <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like traveling commercials on these tiny planes and they're tall as hell. It's just crazy. Because, yeah, yeah, people, we didn't even mention that, but that should have been the opener. G-Leaguers travel um they travel commercial and economy so um no matter how you know economy so yeah yeah that, that's their reality that's part of the reality like eating totally. fried chicken and chipotle and <laughs> you know not getting those not getting those per diems that the nba get they they you know they gotta get what they can get so yeah totally different realities man right no yeah and um for me, I've always been drawn to to kind of the underdog stories and yeah, yeah, you know the guys who have to battle through all of those obstacles that you just named. Um, and yeah, I think for me to be able to shine a spotlight on the G League, I mean, I fully agree. I think it, it just doesn't get uh, the recognition or hasn't gotten the recognition that it deserves. Um, you know, the league overall, but the stories of each of these players, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's just not the big names. Just don't get talked about that's just kind of how the media world works so um to be able to to one tell the stories of these players um and then shed a light uh more broadly on the g league uh hopefully people buy it and read it and um start to follow the g league because i really like really believe that um the league is first incredibly entertaining filled with incredibly talented players mm -hmm. uh, but also just like it's inspiring to to follow those type of stories and uh, those type of journeys so uh, i hope that uh, people do like the book and then uh become invested in the g league uh, I, I that would be uh you know great for me for sure well i appreciate you for spending time with me talking about the book talking about um the g and um i implore everyone order life in the g by alex squadron it's on You'll find it on the bigger, you'll find it on Barnes & Noble. You'll find it on Amazon. Um, you can pre-order it um, now and you may get it even faster with an Alex. So I implore <laughs> you to buy it. And so you can read these players' stories and read their life stories, their backgrounds and and what they're facing. And, and, and you know, then look up what happened to them. Don't don't read about it before you read it. <laughs> Don't look up exactly. where the players are before you read. Don't do that. And I, I was tempted, but I didn't do it. When I finished the book is when I looked up each player and each um, and the coach. I looked up where they were. Yeah. And I didn't do it to the end. You're going to be tempted, but do not do it. Um, yeah. And um, I want to thank you again for being here because this book took me on a journey and I absolutely loved it and i appreciate your perspective no so, thank, thank you, you so much thank you so much for having me malika um like i said 
you were one of the first people to reach out um, about mm -hmm. the book and it meant so much just to, uh, you know, to have it out there and to know people were responding to it. Um, and uh, like I was saying before we started recording, I'm a huge fan of all the work that you do as well. So um, yeah, I just really appreciate uh, your support and then having me on as well. This has been super fun. I appreciate you and thank you for being here.